This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. This is the BBC. As Jenny was walking along the sand, the larks they sing so clearly, oh, she met a fisher lad net in his hand. As the tide came flowing in From this jilted fisher lad What mun ye get? The larks they sing so clearly, oh Two lucky stones of fine earrings of jet As the tide came flowing in I'll take not stones or earrings from thee The larks they sing so clearly, oh the token I gave you, give back to me. As the tide came flowing in, your token is safe in Bogglehole Nook. The larks they sing so clearly, oh, you can find it yourself if you go there and look. As the tide came flowing in, but in Bogglehole the lad she should wed. The larks they sing so clearly, oh The seaweed was tangled about his head As the tide came flowing in They buried him by the light of the moon The larks they sing so clearly, oh Took her to the madhouse in Scarborough Town As the tide came flowing in That was the song Jenny Storm and uh, we're just about to set off down to the beach on a fairly rainy, fairly grey morning to walk along to Boggle Hole. My name is Eliza Carthy on Open Country and I'm about to explore the place where I grew up, Robin Hood's Bay in North East Yorkshire. Okay, we're standing on the beach at Robin Hood's Bay. I've spent a lot of time here when I was a kid, mostly getting wet, mostly poking dead crabs with a stick <laughs> occasionally finding something of more interest but not really knowing anything about it so we have an expert we have mike windle here from the local geology trust what have we got here we've got a smooth round rock here and it's got a circular sort of spiral pattern on it but it, and it's got a kind of lid so you take the lid off and inside what do we have well we've got Tell the, us about that well we've got the two halves of an ammonite fossil We've got the body fossil there, the main fossil, but you've also got the impression, which is just as beautiful. And the wonderful thing about this is that anyone can find them. I think they look a little bit like old tyres. <laughs> and that's how I remembered it when I first started. And you split them open. You need to know exactly how you're doing it, though. You're not allowed to come down here with a hammer and chip bits away, are you? Not really. Not no. at all. Uh, <laughs> well, well, mostly because you get glared at by people. But <laughs> <from> that, <laughs> yeah. It's like, my house is slipping down the cliff, stop doing that. <laughs> well, we, we have had, I mean, where we're stood is in the middle of a major conservation site for its geology. Just behind us at Raven's Car, there is a, a global stratotype. It is the most important part of this part of the Jurassic rocks in the whole world. What it means in practical terms is geologists come from all over the world. 
the rocks we're standing on just here on the beach, they're about 197 million years, give or take a few. We're amongst friends, so a few million here or there. Some of the isotopes, and those are the little chemicals that are inside the rocks, they're like a message from the past. One of the things they're telling us is that at certain times in the past, all the oxygen at the bottom of all the oceans vanished. You'll know it, Eliza, when you find some of the fossils and they're in fool's gold. Yes. Fool's gold will only form where there's no oxygen. Now, how did that happen to all the oceans on the entire planet? That Do was we know. We don't. We don't. That's, that's fascinating. So one of the things that surprises people when they come to Robin Hood's Bay, we have this black, flinty-looking rock everywhere. What, what is that? We call it scar. Basically, what you're walking on is a Jurassic seabed. And then if you bury that about four to five kilometres deep at gas mark nine for about 200 million years, <laughs> and then you get Africa to nicely collide with Europe, the big continental plates collide, and they push up the rocks, and those rocks come up from four or five kilometres down. And if you look at them from a plane, they look like an onion. OK, so we're going to have a little wander down the beach uh, along the cliff line towards Boggle Hole. And uh, local legend has it that there's a creature that lives in a cave down there called the Boggle. People used to feed him with bread, apparently, because uh, that was considered to be good luck. But I, um, I've never met him. It's either because there was a Boggle there <laughs> and the smugglers actually took advantage of that. They put a light on, a lantern just on the beach, mm. to let people know that the Boggle was around. And, of course, that was their comic way of letting everyone know that there was a load being off-shipped. Right. I'm not saying everyone was, <laughs> yeah. was dodgy in Robin Hood's Bay back in those days, but I suspect quite a lot of people were involved in it. <laughs> has, has much changed? <laughs> Can see a fish? Oh, that would have had me unreasonably excited when I was a child. Mind you, I'm kind of unreasonably excited right now. <laughs> fish, it's a fish! If it's not wriggling, then smelly and dead will do. Or shiny. <laughs> I've got a picture of me posing very, very proudly with a fish head. <laughs> when I was about ten, yeah. I was down here with a load of mates from school. Uh, dead crab at last, yes. Woohoo! That's one of the best things about coming on the beach. If you're a local and you know what you're looking for, you can find Whitby Jet. And the best way, apparently, to find Jet is to look for a dead crab. It's about the same weight and floats about the same way that jet does. So where they wash up, pieces of jet often wash up as well. <laughs> it looks almost like Bakelite, mm. a very early plastic. It's a piece of wood. It's wood? From the monkey puzzle tree. And because I was talking about there's low oxygen at times at the bottom of those seas, that may have helped preserve the wood long enough to turn it into jet. But then there's a bit of history in it as well. You're talking about Queen Victoria, you're talking about her mourning, the loss of Albert, and making this so popular that there was a run on jet. You know, the price went up, and it was a real boom town for jet. And it's nice to see that that's kept going today. Of course, you get that uh, the sort of long bullwhip-type seaweed that all the lads, when you, when you hang down on the beach with a group of lads, they just want to grab those and start whipping each other with Absolutely it. Absolutely right. Girls are mostly interested in dead fish heads, in my experience. <laughs> try and describe the cliffs for you 
it's just all falling into the sea, basically. It's the most beautifully rugged bit of cliff line. And there are places where it's very, very high. You can see the moors over there. You can see little scrabbly trees. And, and you can also see just how soft the cliffs are along here because it's had to be shored up in various places with rocks and sea walls and stuff like that. The, the, the ground around here is very, very soft. Where did King Street go? Uh, well... <laughs> In geological terms, uh, basically there was a bad storm uh, a couple of hundred years ago and it was washed into the sea, literally, where that school group is and the rocks behind them. There used to be small fields there. Amazing. So we, Robin Hood's Bay really does need to be protected. Not only is it so special, but if unprotected by all this rock armoury and seawalls, it would literally end up in the bottom of the North Sea. So we're on the slipway at Robin Hood's Bay and uh, we're here with Dick Hoyle who's going to show us, hopefully, a smuggler's hole. <laughs> Do I look like a smuggler? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously all the smuggling came from the sea and then was distributed up through tunnels and hatches and trapdoors and eventually ended up at the top of the village, helped by the Lord of the Manor who had a a secret store at Thorpe Hall for the contraband, mainly the alcohol side. And apparently everybody was involved and turned a blind eye to it because we were so isolated. Above the tunnels are houses. Originally, it would have been part of the plumbing system. But those same access to people's cellars was used for the uh, moving of uh, contraband and smuggled goods. And it was also used as a waste chute. The uh, Smugglers Bistro, which used to be a joiners and undertakers, and when they'd finished the day's work, they'd lift the trapdoor and sweep all the wood shavings in. So you think there's truth to the rumour that you could actually get from the shoreline all the way up to the top of the bank without ever seeing daylight? Yes, yeah. Not necessarily in one tunnel. It would have been a combination. You'd go as far as you could with a tunnel and then you'd go into a cottage, but often the cottages were owned by the same family and they kept the doors interconnecting. Not necessary for smuggling, probably just to keep themselves company when the menfolk were at sea, but it meant that if you got into one cottage, you could go through several cottages and end up, you know, at the top. And, of course, they hid the goods about themselves. The ladies in the long Victorian dresses would have all sorts and <laughs> things hidden and some, in their bloomers yes and some would <laughs> look pregnant but they weren't she was she was about to give birth to a nice 12 year old yeah. single malt <laughs> <laughs> probably <laughs> i don't remember the last time i was in here i must have been a kid last time i did this <laughs> yes we've had sewage treatment since the, the smell is no longer authentic <laughs> oh. it's almost completely pitch black now the ceiling's getting lower and lower I see a cellar, I see a hole. The Victorian weekend, we have a duck race down here. Of course. And we let hundreds of plastic ducks. The first one to get to the bottom is, uh, wins a prize. Um, and quite a few are lost en route. <laughs> <laughs> Should we go looking for ducks? Uh, I bet we can find some. <laughs> I just got a text message. That seems <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> So we've climbed our way up through the little higgledy-piggledy streets, up a load of steps, 
and we've made our way up to Fisherhead to the old church and what used to be the coroner's room, which is now the Bay Museum. The history of, of the actual founding of the museum as an idea goes back to about the late 70s or 80s. It was spurred on by the fact that a, an elderly gentleman had an, an amazing collection in the old village of things like ships' figureheads, oil paintings and watercolours of ships that were owned by Bay people and a lot of the pictures, marine pictures, went to uh, dealers in London and the history was lost and I know it was his intention to save them for the village. So in the museum now, which is the uh, in the coroner's room, we've got all sorts of artefacts but the building itself is quite interesting. It's the coroner's room and also the mortuary. When bodies were found on the beach, which did happen occasionally, they were brought here and then the coroner had to come and ascertain the cause of death. But it also became a reading room in the days when there weren't public libraries. So there's a lot of history in this one building. There is so much history here in Bay, and I'm about to meet someone who knows most of it. This is where a lot of it happens. Bill Wedgwood is an artist who has spent most of his life on and around boats. He's also my next-door neighbour. So here we are. We're in your workshop. It's upstairs in your beautiful one, house. One of my studios. So this house used to belong to a storm, is that right? Yeah. Captain Storm. Did you know any of Storm? I don't think I've known any storms, no, apart from Tinker that drives the taxi... One of the songs that I'm singing for the soundtrack for this programme is, is Jenny Storm, which is a song from Robin Hood's Bay. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And an interesting story is Captain Stainthorpe, he lived just up from the Vic, and I knew him when I was a kid. And he's Tinker's great-uncle, I think, yeah. Wow. Captain Stainthorpe, in the First World War, had been captured by a German raider. And this was his ship, and it was called the Horngarth, and that was a German raider. And how many stories like that have been taken to the graves? It, it's yeah. sad, really, because the place was full of seafarers at one time. It they, was. And what kind of ships could actually come into the bay? I mean, because that's a huge, huge vessel, isn't it? What they used to do, and this one probably done it, when they were coming by, they used to come really close. And the, the women used to go on Ness. On Ness Point? On Ness Point, with a, a tablecloth or a sheet or something and wave it to them. And I can remember that in my day. The captain that lived on the corner. And... Oh, I can never remember his name. We always used to yeah. call him Captain Lopsided. <laughs> what was his <laughs> Captain Lorraine. And he, Lorraine, was, yes, he, he used yeah. to do it, you know. I can remember seeing them coming on, on, on this big ship as well, yeah. Whether they dropped something else overboard for somebody to collect, I don't know. Well, it was always said they did, but <laughs> uh, I know we once got told off and uh, we were told not to go on these Dutch herring boats when we were kids. And we would go out and get some herring off. Can you spare us a few herring? Well, we went one day and nearly sank the bombing boat. <laughs> and we were up the gunnels in herring. We came back and uh, the customs man came down and... Uh, read as a riot act. I mean, there weren't much, uh, like, what you would call funny stuff going about then. We wouldn't have been, you know, getting anything we shouldn't have had, would. Only Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So uh, you paint mostly mostly boats then? It's mostly boats well, and no, the seafaring um, well, stuff? Well, that's what people say. Well, Ali only paints boats. I can see I some moorland landscapes as well. There's a moorland landscape there. That, yeah, that's, that looks beautiful. That's, uh, paradise. Do you know where Paradise is? No, where's Paradise? Oh, uh, it's up behind Flask. I've done a map somewhere and I've put all the old names because somebody said to me, well, when you go, half the names will go with you, which is very true. Mind this step one here. And just play that on. Hang on to this rear. This is incredible. What an amazing room. Wow. And that there, that's a voice pipe that goes down below for the... For the servants? For the servant, but nobody ever answers when I shout down it. <laughs> Have you heard of Leo Wormsley? Of course, yeah. Well, that's his gramophone. It was his gramophone there. I love a gramophone, me. Sits him down, he takes a girl on his knee. Never ever thinks of me. Here we go. Think of me. Think of me. I think it's gone a bit slow. Okay, so we're standing on King Street with David Perry. We're standing outside the Robin Hood's Bay Men's Institute. It also has a, a cellar, it used to be a coal cellar. You can see the hatch here just, um, just at street level. And that was our clubhouse when we were 12. <laughs> we used to open the hatch and look, watch people go by. We're now looking at a nice small cottage and there are these two rather large, they look almost like split trees and they are whale bones. And these ones, as far as I'm aware, are unique anywhere around here that were made from sperm whale jaws. All the others were made from whale jaws that were baleen which is a, like a filter to filter small fish. These, you can see the great big sockets in them, and they were where the sperm whale teeth fitted. It's a tiny little white cottage with a tiny little blue window and these be beautiful whale bones mm. around either side of the window, a little red tile roof and a porthole in the door. <laughs> yeah. Right, we're now stood in front of what is a cod made of cast iron inside a little cage to protect it. It's about four foot high and it's got a hole in its mouth where its jaw is and that is the oldest collecting box for the RNLI in existence and also the smallest listed structure in Britain. One of the stories people tell about it is uh, that if you put some money in its mouth, its tail would wag. <laughs> Does it take new pound coins? Aww. It sounds quite full, actually. We stood next to this, which is now ignominiously a public toilet, but this was the lifeboat shelter, and uh, you can see in there there's a long list of ships and crew that have been saved by lifeboat being launched from here. And there was a famous rescue... It was in 1880 or so, and it anchored off here in really, really bad weather one January, and they brought the lifeboat from Whitby, which is six miles away, and there was deep, deep snowdrifts. And they pulled it, didn't they? They pulled it by hand, and it took them two hours to get from Whitby to here, and they got all the crew off the uh, brig. There are hundreds of shipwrecks off here, and there's a really 
fairly simple reason for that. The coast here has a slight bend in it, so when ships in those days were sailing up the coast, you only have to make one or two degrees of error over two or three miles, and you've altered your course by several hundred yards, which means you hit the cliffs or you hit the scar, the rocks that jut out to sea. And it wasn't until the advent of radar in the Second World War you knew how near you were, and that's why, since the Second World War, there's been virtually no shipwrecks on this coast. You know when you go on holiday and people say to you, oh, you know, it was lovely last week, <laughs> one of the joys of living in the north is the weather. And uh, there's usually a fabulous view looking out over the bay and uh, all the way out to the Ravenscar from the top of the hill at St Stephen's Old Church, which is where we are now. But I'm afraid we are shrouded in mist and uh, there's some rain falling. But uh, we have a lady here who's going to take us through some of the very, very interesting gravestones we have in this lovely old churchyard and that's Deb Gillanders who's in here in the porch yes. sheltering yes. from the inclemency. Inclemency indeed <laughs> in great big lumps yes. <laughs> so um, yeah. yes you look after this church. I do. I think that the story of a village is written in its churchyard if you do your subtraction on a gravestone you can work out that some years must have been absolute rubbish I mean, for example, in here, there's a graveyard by the West Gate and it's to a Captain Tom Watson and he was drowned whilst his wife was five months pregnant. Oh. Got the, the, the sort of ideas that got put in stone was if you were a woman, you'd either be a wife or a daughter. If you were a man, you'd have your trade. Uh, there is, for example, a confectioner on Ooh. the north, just outside the north wall. There is Sweeties. a confectioner. Sweeties, yes. Uh, sometimes you'd have odd bits like fell off a horse in Ploughton. You'd have your farm, the name of your farm, or you'd have the name of your ship. And a lot of these people buried here, there are 800 graves going back over 200 years, and a lot of the mariners are not buried here. They're commemorated here, but they drowned and they were lost at sea. By storms at sea, two sons I lost, which sore distressed me, because I could not have their bones to anchor here with me. Oh, <laughs> oh isn't that beautiful? Isn't that just awful? And what makes it even worse is that that was a really, really, really common thing. Most lads drowned from bay, and most lasses would probably die of illness, pneumonia, TB, something with wet boots and no antibiotics, and we did an exhibition here a few years ago with a lady called Mandy Patullo. And between the pair of us, we worked out that there was, roughly speaking, there were 180 lasses and 150 lads that didn't happen. They, they drowned or they died or whatever. Now, if you imagine in a place the size of Robin Hood's Bay, that's perhaps 100 families, mm. 100 families that never happened. So I have to ask you about uh, about Stowbro because it's in yes. our family. It was on the Watersons album, A Yorkshire Garland, and obviously Stowbro is, is uh, just on the coast right there, and the song ends in Robin Hood's Bay Churchyard, and here we are. And it says, 
the couple there buried in Robin Hood's Bay Churchyard. Which one is it? Where are they? I want to see them. They're not. I'm sorry. Oh, they're not here. It's a story. The graves go back to the early 1700s. They might have drowned before that. Let's leave it at that. Shrouded in the mists of time. <laughs> we are shrouded we are in the shrouded. mists right now. In fact, I'm going to put my umbrella up any time now. <laughs> <laughs> this couple, they were buried in Robin Hood's Bay And for a memorandum, a gravestone that was laid that all you young couples that do pass by them there, I'd have you all to shed a tear for the couple that lies there.